This is the Conduit Church Teaching Podcast. Thanks for joining us. It's our mission to be a conduit of Jesus to the community in front of us and the world around us, starting with the teaching of His Word. Enjoy the message. We truly are just a conduit of of your generosity. And as I was thinking about that and what happened in their life, I was really reminded that this There's a picture of what Jesus has said that John the Baptist in John chapter 3 has said on behalf of Jesus. In fact, um, if you go to verse 32 with me, this is John the Baptist. By the way, not John the Lutheran, not John the Episcopalian or John the Unitarian. It it wasn't the Baptist because he was a Baptist. He was a Baptist because he was baptizing. Do you understand that? He was John the Baptizer. So just in case that was confusing to you. But John the Baptist is speaking this morning, and he is saying to people that were arguing with them about Jesus and ceremonial cleansing, and and here's his response to them, and it's a response that we can learn uh, from as well. And I'm actually going to start in verse 31. The one who comes from above is above all, speaking of Jesus. The one who is from earth belongs to the earth and speaks as one from the earth, which is speaking about himself. The one who comes from a heaven is above all. He testifies to what he has seen and heard, but no one accepts his testimony. Whoever has accepted it, and if you're an underliner or if you're a note taker, this is a good one to underline. Whoever has accepted it has certified that God is truthful. For God gives the spirit without limit. The Father loves the Son and has placed everything in his hands. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. That's God's word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we approach your word this morning, I pray that we will hear clearly your word for us. Lord, that you would speak directly to each of us individually. We each came in today, Lord, with different things going on and different needs in our lives, but you came in today, Lord, with every word for every single one of us, exactly where we are, and we are so grateful for that. Father, I am reminded, as I always am, that there are so many great churches lifting up the name of Jesus in our community I'm thinking of Chris Brown, Chris and Holly at the well in Columbia. What an amazing thing you have done and are doing there. I'm thinking of our brothers and sisters at Place of Hope this morning. Jim Henderson, Kim Wascom, Lord, bringing the word and bringing worship and the conduits that have joined them this morning. And not just making room for us here, they did do that, but, but literally making room in their own hearts to love on the broken and and in the vulnerable at place of hope this morning. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this church. Jesus, this is you. This is your church. You do what you want with us this morning. We lay our plans on the altar and give them to you. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Verse 33, he who accepts this, what Jesus said, his testimony, right, certifies that God is truthful. The, the word certified is, it's a very pregnant word. 
it speaks of, of, of a signet, of like a signet ring, of like you're signing off on what's in this paperwork, so to speak. Uh, I am signing this, uh, the, I'm agreeing to the terms in the way that right, Samuel and Laura signed on agreement to their terms for their deliverance, right? So they have signed this, and, and, the, and the idea of this word, and I won't even begin to attempt to pronounce this in uh, the actual Greek, especially since we have actual Greek people here this morning. Tony could probably, <laughs> you know, when you start shooting your mouth up on the original Greek, and then you got a guy from Greece going, well, that's really not actually what that says at all. It doesn't sound anything like, so it's like my Spanish. I know just enough to get me into trouble and not enough to get me out. So it's like, you got to be very careful with that. But this word it actually speaks of like a signet, like a seal. So you're not just signing off on it. It is sealing and it is the signed Right, it is sealed and it is a deliverance for you. It's, it's literally the paperwork for their deliverance. And he's saying, whoever believes these words that Jesus said, right, Be, being born again, the, the, these words that we just heard from Jesus in the first chapter, or first half of this chapter, that you are signing it, right, and it is sealed and you are delivered. And I know that we have accidentally started somewhat of a, um, a pop culture sermon title, Arms Race, accidentally. And I know that Moe's Nick at Night last week, that's going to be hard to top, uh, but I am going to try um, with the words of one of the greatest poets, one of the greatest philosophers, really an American treasure, Stevie Wonder. Um, signed, sealed, delivered. I'm going to quote the poem. I'm yours. You got my future in your hands. Ah, here I am, baby. Ah, ah. <laughs> Signed, sealed, delivered. I'm yours. You got my future in your hands. Hey, hey. <laughs> Signed, sealed, delivered. I'm yours. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, it's <laughs> signed, sealed, delivered, John chapter three. <laughs> so I see Moe's uh, iCarly and I raise him a Stevie Wonder uh, in, this, in this sermon uh, arms race. And by the way, JT, if you're around second service, maybe you could come up and just sing signed, sealed, delivered. Maybe that would have gone over better uh, if with JT at the mic. Here's the thing. This idea of John saying to these disciples, They've, they've come across a, a group of people that are now debating about ceremonial cleansing. There's this debate. And he's, when he's saying, if you've accepted what Jesus said, he's not saying blindly accept it. That's never been the request from Jesus. In fact, the idea of this certified, of, of sealing it, is you are now examining what he has said, deciding, is it true? And if you accept it, you are certifying that God is truthful. We ought not to blindly accept it any more than we ought to blindly reject it. And the way that there's this roadmap that's sort of implied in the text of how you and I can accept, can certify what Jesus said is true. It was never meant to be something that we would blindly accept. If, if we are, in fact, I would think in this room probably there are people that you have maybe blindly accepted the Jew, you know, and by the way, I love that kind of faith. Don't get me wrong. I'm jealous of that kind of faith, but you have accepted it and you are living out that truth 
in your life right now. I've accepted and I've certified it and I am living in that truth of who Jesus says that I am and of what Jesus came to do. There are others that you have accepted it, but you've kind of forgotten. So you've kind of looked at the contract, right? The, the, with the written word, like maybe Samuel and Laura looked at the word, but you've forgotten what it says or you don't know what it says, so you're not living as if you are free, like Samuel and Laura. So there might be some of you this morning, and there might be others where you have, I've just not quite come to accept it yet. And the roadmap of John chapter three, these uh, chapter uh, verses 22 to the end of the chapter, is a little bit of a roadmap of, of how you could live out a life for all three of those categories so that we could ultimately all become those who have accepted, certified, and then live as if what Jesus said was true, is true. The first one is going to Jesus. Like we are gonna go to him the best way. If there's a debate, if there is some sort of confusion as to what is true, and I don't know about, if, I don't know if you've been watching the news lately, but there's a lot of confusion as to what is true, right, in this day and age. Now, technically, there's actually not confusion. There's just a lot of voices. The truth is as clear as it's ever been. There's just voices trying to steal and pick away from truth. But the best thing that you can do in a world of conflicting claims, of conflicting truth, of trying to understand what is true, what isn't true, is go to the source of truth, which is Jesus. And even if you're not there, and I don't know that I quite accept that, if you've got somebody who resurrected from the dead who claims that they are God, right? Who now is saying, I'm speaking on behalf of God. Wouldn't it be worth at least some of your time to go to him and specifically seek and ask and look and research and search for what it is that he actually said? But that's what they did here in verse 22 through 24. Four-ish, twenty-five. There's this argument developing about ceremonial cleansing. Is it what the argument is about? By the way, that's not a new argument. It, it says in uh, let's say verse twenty-three, John was baptizing at Anon near Salim. No, that's not Anon in Spring Hill. That's actually in Israel. Because there was plenty of water and people were coming to be baptized. This was before John was put in prison in verse 25. An argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. Now, ceremonial washing in that culture was um, theater. Like, there's a washing that we're doing. That's, uh, it's an outside-in thing. And in their culture, there were hundreds of rules about ceremonial washing. If you remember a couple of weeks ago, the reason that there were stone pots at the wedding where Jesus was, was that one of the loopholes was if a clay jar had become unclean, they had to smash and destroy the clay jar. But if it was a stone jar, they didn't have to destroy it. That was a rule that someone had put in. There were all these rules for ceremonial washing. And if you were in a place where they had it, you knew that these stone jars were there. They were signaling to the world that we believe in the ceremonial washing and in the signals and in the, the theater that they were doing. It was saying to the world that I am one of you. And it was saying to the world that I am cleansing. But the cleansing is from the outside in. So that's the argument. Is John baptizing ceremonial cleansing or is it not? Should he be doing this or should he not? Now, 
They're arguing about it. The disciples of John are arguing with this other certain Jew, it says. And they look across and like, oh, hey, there's that guy that you've been talking about that's been baptizing. That's Jesus. Let's go ask him. The best thing you could ever do when there is a debate, when there's an argument, whether it's on Twitter or whether it's in your school, is go to Jesus. Go to him. And that's what they did. Now, we are, of course, in Western culture, are super sophisticated now, right? We have, as this culture, no longer have problems and we don't believe in things like ceremonial washing. Isn't that, isn't that something that most people would think in our modern culture? If it is something you think, I would like to disabuse you of that notion. Because inside of all of us, okay, inside of us is this need to be, we, we might call it something like, okay. I, I need to know that I'm good, that I'm okay. And we use different language for that. In the words of psychology, they would talk about Maslow's you know, hierarchy of needs. And if I have all these needs met, then I will be okay. That I, so th there's that, that whole language of what psychology has done. It, of course, <laughs> now that we're in science, we know that science would never have such things as ceremonial cleansing, don't we? Notice something whenever you see something from the scientific community that is talking about ceremonial cleansing. Of course, they would never use that language because they're way too sophisticated. But let's, let's talk about, well, well, let's talk about Elon Musk, shall we? What is Elon Musk wanting to do right now besides put a rocket in space and buy Twitter and everything? I don't know what else he's doing. I, don't, I literally don't even know when he sleeps. But what he wants to do is put a chip in our brain that can help us be better humans. Okay? Now look, there's a point in my life where my hard drive is full. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but somewhere around 50 years old, unless you can defrag this, and I've not figured out how to do that quite yet, there are times where I'm, I'm looking at somebody that I know and that little spinning pinwheel of death is going on my brain going, oh, Shannon, that's who you are. I know who you are. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I kid, I kid. But there have been some moments in my life where I'm like, I mean, the other night I was driving someplace in my neighborhood and I'm thinking, have I come in the wrong way? I, you know, was, but I, mean, I was on the phone, I mean, whatever. I was just distracted. But, but the spinning pinwheel of death is happening. So what Elon Musk is saying is, I'm going to put this thing on your head and it's going to fix you and make you into like the superhuman. But here's the thing. It is an outside-in solution for a problem that is not outside. It's inside. You're putting a Band-Aid on a hemorrhage. Can it maybe help me remember phone numbers? I don't know. Hopefully. By the way, I'm not doing that. The chances of, I mean, seriously, honest to God. How many times have you picked up your technology and it's just not working? And all I'm trying to do is get to the store, okay? Now, if I'm depending on this to try to get me to eat, and I can't now because I don't know how to do it, and I got to go to the Apple store and you know, get Apple Care on my brain, I got no interest in any of that. Some little nice Apple genius going, hey, let me tweak this, and now we're going to have to order a new one. Yeah, it's going to take three months, and we're... No, none of that. But from the scientific standpoint, it is not, none of it is about an inside-out. All of it is about an outside-in. And Jesus is saying, you can fix your brain, but this isn't a brain problem, this is a soul problem. 
And anyone that has been around any form of addiction, of uh, sexual addiction, drug addiction, alcohol addiction, people that have made just bad decisions with your life, there's some point where you're looking like if you were to take an IQ test, your brain is actually fine. Making you smarter is not the problem. How many times have you done something, and it's Romans chapter 7, why do I do the things I don't want to do? What I do want to do, I don't. What I don't want to do, I do. Because it's not a brain problem, it's a soul problem, and Elon Musk can't fix a soul problem. We saw it in just the last two years that when we count on science, it's fallen a little short, hasn't it? And, and I, look, I don't know everybody in here, but one of the, the signals, one of the ceremonial signals that we saw in the last two years was whether or not you would wear a mask. And if you didn't wear a mask, you were unclean. If you did wear a mask, you were clean. Had nothing to do with the science and everything to do with this. I'm signaling to the world that I'm in this thing. I'm, taking, I'm ceremonially cleansing. And of course, two years later, the science has been utterly and critically clear and I remember someone telling me once, a fellow pastor, don't you love the people that are high risk in your church? Don't you love them enough to tell them to wear a mask? And I'm looking at this data going, it's a 10% maybe success rate on this thing. I'm not loving them at all to tell them to do that, to give them this false sense of safety. It was never a, a science. It was a idea that was put out that became literally like a religion, science as a religion. Here's the rules to get in. Here's the rules to get out. In Iran, right, it's a hijab. In, uh, in America for a while, it was, would you put it over your face? It was a idea that I could be ceremonially clean. Ceremony meaning theater. I love uh, El Al Airlines. Um, the CEO of El Al Airlines has said this about our own TSA security. That it's, he calls it safety theater. I mean, this is the guy that's trying, by the way, LL has had no terrorist attacks since this guy's taken over. This guy is not screwing around. And just what we do, and, and so every time I see like a little old lady at TSA being like, like searched for a bomb, I'm like, this is safety theater. That's what he was talking about. Uh, coming back from Israel the very first time I ever went. No, I was going into Israel, I'm sorry. LL has at uh, each gate uh, their own security. And I get pulled aside because I've got some stamps on my passport that would cause some questions. Um, so you were here, or you, you could be a terrorist because you're here, like you've been here and here in these countries, and, I, and the, me being a missionary meant nothing to them. But So I go into this room, and I'm sitting down in this room, and I'm like, okay, I'll get ready to answer these questions. This will be easy. And in walks the, their agent, their security agent, who has been trained in interrogation techniques, and she is almost as beautiful as my wife. Not quite. And I'm like, the world's going on in here. Uh, completely threw me off my game, and by the way, that was a technique. That was the plan. That was all part of the plan. You got a middle-aged dude with Lebanon and Iran, whatever, all these weird things on my passport, Morocco, North Africa, like send in a beautiful woman, it'll completely throw him off his game because he, well, I, I don't know, I'm a missionary, I'm a promise, I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm like, oh, 
the security theater that we have here is just mostly just a theater, and the ceremonial washing is, was theater for the people of Israel. If I'm doing this, then I'm clean. If I'm doing this, you're seeing that I'm being clean, and it's still happening today in culture. It's happening in science. It's happening in our society, that if we participate in these things, now I am considered ceremonially clean. That was the argument that they were coming to the disciples of John, and when you're hearing arguments of what makes you clean or what makes you dirty, go to Jesus, not to the CDC, not to Hollywood, Go to Jesus. Because Jesus wants to change you from the inside out. You must be born again. That's an inside out change, not a outside in change. There was a, um, a book that I would highly recommend that his name is Sir Roger Scruton. He was the inventor of the crouton. Originally they were called scrutons. Did you know that? didn't quite fit with our culture, so they, they changed it to crouton. But this, uh, so Roger uh, Cruton, he's actually passed away in the last couple of years, uh, British th philosopher, uh, as best I can tell, an atheist, maybe an agnostic, but one of the things that Cruton's writings do is, always goes back to the, the idea of these Judeo-Christian values that we have actually speak to the soul of who we are. So the scientist, this philosopher who was being honest comes back and he says that he, he's speaking specifically of these moments that are precious to us, that when they occur, it is through uh, on the winding, ill-lit stairway of our life. He's, he's using language of things like when you experience beauty, when you experience, whether it's the sunrise or, 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 or your wedding day, that, or, or he speaks a lot about music, by the way, that when you experience that, there's something there that cannot be proven on any scientific whiteboard anywhere. And as a philosopher, he says that this ill-lit stairway of our life, we suddenly come across a window through which we catch sight of another and brighter world to which we belong, but which we cannot enter. Now, he's literally quoting C.S. Lewis without even knowing that's what he's doing. If inside yourself you find a desire for another world that nothing in, in this world can satisfy, it means most likely that you are created for another world. This guy passed away just a couple of years ago and this book, it's, so it's uh, Confessions of a Heretic. It's just a, a series of essays. And I, I don't know if he meant effing the ineffable the way that I think it sounded, but that's, that's the title of the essay. But if, it's worth your time to go read. This is a three-page essay from this guy that is literally doing his best to try to describe what we all feel in our souls without bringing God into the equation. And at the last step is that if there is something out there, there's something out there besides you and me. That's what our soul is needing. And there's no amount of ceremonial cleansing that will ever wash that away. To, to put it differently, there's a, a philosopher named David Hume. And, it, and this is specifically as it relates to science. But I would say this with culture, with, uh, with entertainment. That Look, it, science can tell us what is, but it does not tell us what we ought Science can only tell us what is, but there is no morality in science. It has to come from someplace. Some agreed upon morality from somewhere. 
and the idea that all humans are, have value, that we're all equal, that we're, that did not come from science. And if anything, anybody who was remotely honest in any sort of a scientific community would have to say that it is not science that we're all equal. But God coming from outside in the morality, if you're going to try to say morality comes from science, you just can't. It's not an intellectually tenable statement that it's going to tell you what is, but it can't tell you what ought. And what when we go to Jesus, we are going to the one who can tell us what we ought. When we're going to Jesus, we're going to the one that is on the other side of the window. We are going to the one that created, that came from outside of our time domain, that is broken through and invites us into it. And the invitation is to go to Jesus. And I love this because it says that they, his, this is John's disciples saying, look, everybody's going to him. They're not going to us. Like John is pastoring the fastest shrinking church in Jerusalem. And he's saying, no, that's how it's supposed to be. And I would say to you this morning as part of our conduit family today that sometimes God calls somebody to a different place, to a different church, even in our own community. It was one of the reasons when Dr. Easley said he was feeling the Lord was calling him to start a church. I was like, I don't care if you plant it next door. It matters not to me because you are speaking the words of Jesus so they can go to Jesus whether they're here or whether they're at Stonebridge. You should go to Jesus. And there's something to that, by the way, that if you want to know whether you've been going to Jesus or whether you're going to a church that's going to Jesus, look at what John, maybe you could photograph it and go there later, but look, what you see that John was saying in these verses of 22 through the end of the chapter, all he's saying is what Jesus just said. You know that you've been with Jesus, you've gone to Jesus if you are saying what Jesus said. He might be phrasing it differently, but he's just saying I've spoken, Jesus said, I've said, uh, spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How will you then believe if I've spoken of heavenly things? John says, verse 31, the one who comes from above is above all. The one who's from the earth belongs to the earth and who speaks from the earth. The one who comes from heaven is above all. He's, if you want to know if you are at a place right, that is with Jesus, if you want to know if you are with Jesus, then you can look at your life and say, am I saying what Jesus said And the only way that you're going to know what Jesus said is if you go to Jesus and then you continue to be with Jesus. John starts talking about this thing about a wedding of a bride and a bridegroom and the imagery that he wants us to catch is that this is of a bride and of a groom, that this is not of a slave and a master, that this is a relationship and he wants us to think of us as a bride. John knew his role. John's role was he was an attendant to the groom, which by the way, in that culture was basically like the best man, but like on steroids. It was like a groom intern. Like he, he, the, the job of the friend of the groom was to make sure everybody, everything was set so that when the wedding was happening, everything was handled, he would go to the house, the room that was prepared in the father's house for the bride and for the groom, make sure everything is set in place, make sure the, the rose petals are on top of the tub and the candles are lit and the little incense. I don't, I don't know what they were doing, but he, that was his job. He's like the groom intern, do all the heavy lifting. And then when, so when he says, I've heard the voice of the groom, it brings me joy because it knows that my job, my job is done. Them leaving him and going to Jesus was exactly what he was 
put on earth to do. And might I tell you and help you this morning and just say one thing that my job is not to get you to come to Darren, but to come to Jesus. I'm a pastor, right? But let me tell you, I'm one of you. I'm in the same hospital that you were in. I'm in need of the same great physician that you are in. Now look, maybe I've been in the hospital a little bit longer, some of you. And I know, you know what to eat in the cafeteria and what to avoid. I know who, which nurses are nice and which ones are mean. And I, I, I might know some things about the hospital, but I'm in the hospital and my job is not to point you to me. My job is to point you to the doctor, the great physician, Jesus. Pointing you to Jesus is exactly what John did and pointing you to Jesus is exactly what I get to do, that I'm just here to point you to Jesus so that you can be with Jesus. And what I love about this is he says, He's talking about hearing the voice is what brought him joy. And I don't know, uh, some, many of us in here are married. And you know this the longer you've been married, but the voice of your spouse, well, it can either level you, right? <laughs> you've been to that rodeo. Or it can bolster you. When I am traveling and I'm in the faraway parts of the earth, one of the greatest gifts that I've gotten in the last few years is that cell phone technology has allowed, I mean, we used to, we used to first go, I and mean, of course I'm complaining, Paul would get on a boat and maybe he died and didn't, at least we had some sort of communication. But I've got communication now where I could be in the middle of nowhere, but I can call my wife and when I hear her voice, it does something for me that I couldn't put on paper. It's, it's a safety, it's, a, it's love, it's, it brings me joy. And if you spend all of your time listening to the voices of the world around you, it's maybe a place to start if you're struggling with any kind of like emotional or sadness or frustration. Maybe you're not listening enough to Jesus and you're listening too much to Tucker Carlson. I don't know about you, but I mean, I'm a news junkie, okay? And I listen to all kinds of news, and all, but I can feel it when I've been listening to it a little too much, sometimes a lot too much, because I'm also fascinated by information and the geopolitical and the news in Haiti and Uganda, and, thing, and I'm like, I need to get back to listening to the voice of Jesus, because the voice of the BBC, the voice of Al Jazeera, the voice of CNN, none of them are going to bring me joy. They might bring me information, but they're not going to bring me joy, but the voice of Jesus. And how do we hear the voice of Jesus? You can start with your prayer life. Start there. Every Sunday morning in this room, at the beginning of every service, we've got a little prayer team here that would love to pray with you. We'd love to have you, if you're a prayer and you're somebody that's just part of what you, just how you're wired and you're just, you're devoted in prayer, we'd love to have you be a part of that team. You can find out, I think at the, the front desk, there's some information on Donna and getting involved in that prayer team. I'd love to see more and more of us getting in here. It's more than just Ernie and Shirley, man, that are praying here. There are a lot of people that are praying for this church. You may not even know this, but every Monday morning, there are prayer warriors, man, praying for our church family, praying for staff, praying for you, like praying. They're listening to the voice of Jesus, and it's bringing them joy. Uh, another option for you is tomorrow night. I'm going to be at Place of Hope. Every year they do a, a tent revival. Now, I'm not a tent guy, but 
turns out when you're with a whole bunch of recovering addicts and alcoholics, you don't need to be a tent guy. They're all tent people. So if, if you want to be there with the broken, with the, the, those who are fighting for, you hear the voice of Jesus. Jesus says that we're the least of, you've done it for the least of these, you've done it for me. He's saying he's with the poor, he's with the oppressed, he's with the marginalized. You want to be with Jesus? Go to places like that. Tomorrow night at seven o'clock, Jason's leading worship. I'm preaching. We're kicking it off. It's like two weeks. There's multiple churches in town, but man, I'd love to have as many conduits as possible. Hang out with us. Seven o'clock, Place of Hope in Columbia, Tennessee. Just Google Place of Hope and you can find it real easy or just email info at Conduit Church. We'd love to have you come be with Jesus at Place of Hope. And the last thing on this is we've got to go is, man, you've gone to Jesus. You've been with Jesus. And now... It's time to believe in Jesus. You've, you've seen it. You've seen what he said. You've seen what he does. You've, it's, I'm seeing that the culture's not going to save me. I'm seeing science is not going to save me. I'm seeing that I'm not going to save me. Hollywood sure isn't going to save me. Do I believe in the words of Jesus? And the idea of I do, accepting it is literally me sealing. It's certifying and here's the awesome thing. That same word is used when Jesus himself was sealed. When it talks in John 6, don't work for food that spoils, but for food that endures an eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Jesus was sealed by the Father. You and I are sealed, right? First Corinthians, I'm sorry, Second Corinthians 1, 21, 22. It's God who makes us both, us and you, to stand firm in Christ. He's anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit. What did we just read in John 3? He gives the spirit without limit, right? To those that we have given our seal to him. And then what I love is that Satan, <laughs> chapter 20, verse 3 of Revelation, he is going to be sealed. He's going to be thrown into a lake of fire and sealed up, never to be seen or heard from again. With the same seal that God is saving us is the same seal that he is sealing Satan forever. Do you think Satan can break that seal? No. That means you can't break his seal either. He loves you that much. I want to say one more thing here, and then we've got to get you out of here. There's one more little bonus round on this. After you believe in what Jesus, right, what he said, believing on him, believing in him. Look at verse 1 of chapter 4. Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Verse 2, although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. Now, look, if you've been sleeping, I don't blame you. But wake up for just a second, because I, I don't want you, if you don't hear anything else, I want you to hear this. John 3 said Jesus was baptizing. He baptized, he baptized. But John 4 says, but it wasn't him actually baptizing. So was John wrong? No. You see, as children of God, the seal is our adoption. The seal is our freedom. The disciples baptizing was just as if Jesus himself was baptizing them. When he went out, sent the disciples out to heal, it was as if Jesus himself was out healing. We are the body of Christ. What does my body do? What my head wants, right? So if, if I go to someplace for lunch, let's say Sonic, 
after here? My body is going to Sonic because my head wanted to. Did my head go to Sonic or did, we, did I go to Sonic? I went to Sonic. Jesus was baptizing, even though it was the disciples baptizing. Do you hear what I'm saying here? That inside of you, the seal that he has put on of you, he has given you the authority to tread on serpents and scorpions. He has given you the power. He's told you to go lay hands on the sick and they will recover. He's told you to go into the world and make disciples. He's told you to stand in the authority that he has given you. It is as if Jesus himself is in you doing it. That kind of authority that he had, he's given to us. And he sealed it on us because we sealed it by accepting it. And I love this, when the seal was a signet ring, okay? You can find these from ancient Rome for everywhere from 50 to $75,000 from like Roman emperors and their seal. And it was if that seal was on that piece of paper, that everything in that document was good to go. Look at, so this, this wasn't just like you're signing your mortgage with a piece of paper. It was a seal that represented who that emperor was, who that leader, that king was. There was imagery on there that spoke of and represented him. Look at what, how, when they sign a contract in uh, Asia, it's not a signature, it's their thumb print. It's a piece of who they are that represents the uniqueness of even them. And when you look at it, that's their signature. That is their signet. That it is not just a ring. It is not just a signature. It is literally who they are on that piece of paper. Accepting what Jesus said is now me putting who I am, staking my life on it, Eugene Peterson says, on that piece of paper with my thumb, so to speak. And the reason that I can do that is because Christ himself in his hands received a mark that sealed him. His tomb was sealed shut. He was sealed off from God on our behalf so that now I can receive his seal because my debt was paid, your debt was paid, and if you'll just accept that, science isn't gonna save you, culture's not gonna save you, Hollywood's not gonna save you, you ain't gonna save you, but Jesus is there, and if you'll accept that, there's this repentance of just saying, look, I'm repenting, I'm, I'm following you, Jesus. Believe it or not, not every slave that we encounter in Asia wants to be free. When we invite them into the kingdom of, right, of freedom, we tell them, you can't get another loan. You can't go back into slavery. Some of them will not sign it because they don't want to admit, they don't want to sign off on that. Some of them sign off on it, then go get another loan down the line and end up back in slavery. It reminds you of Galatians, doesn't it? You foolish Galatians. Who has bewitched you that you've gone back into a life of slavery under sin again? If you'll accept this, and walk out this door knowing that your thumbprint is on this. Jesus is truthful. Jesus, his testimony is true. God's thumbprint is on you. His handprint, which is holes in them, certifying that you and I are no longer slaves, but we are children of God. Stand to your feet. I got to get you out of here. Titans are kicking off. It's going to be a ghost town in second service, man. <laughs> Y'all watching at home this morning on the 9 a.m. because you want to get your Titans game? God bless you. You're making room in second service. Jesus, we are signed, we are sealed, and we are delivered. Would you make that real in our hearts today? Would you make it 
not just a head thing, but a heart thing. Lord, you didn't want to come to save us with a, a computer chip. You came to save us by making us new creatures, completely born again. Lord, the spirit that you give is without limit. Lord, today might we receive that spirit in our lives and walk out of here as the sons and the daughters of God that we are, not as the slaves that we were. It is in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen, amen.